Hello, and welcome to Fort Scale's Cybersecurity Awareness Month podcast series. I'm Bill Bozen. I will be the moderator of today's podcast on general security awareness and the rise of the insider threat. Our talk today will focus on the current state of cybersecurity, specifically the types of insider threats behind the recent rash of devastating breaches at enterprises like Home Depot, Target, Office of Personnel Management, and so many others. We have two panelists with us today. The first is FortScale founder and CEO, Edon Tendler. Edon is a serial entrepreneur and a recognized expert in the field of cybersecurity and threat intelligence. Before founding FortScale, Tendler was a lead agent of the 8200, which is the cyber warfare division of the Israeli Defense Forces. Welcome, uh, uh, Edon. Glad to have you with us. Thanks, Bill. I'm very excited from this uh, opportunity. Thanks. Thank you. Our second panelist is a recognized cybersecurity and privacy expert and the editor-in-chief of Third Certainty, Byron Akahito. Byron has won numerous national journalism awards, including a 1997 Perlitzer Prize for beat reporting for the Seattle Times. More recently, Byron has been widely recognized by top journalism organizations for his body of work at USA Today, on the rise of cybercrime and the demise of personal privacy. Brian, great to have you with us. Thanks, Bill. Glad to be here. Well, thank you both for joining us. Let's go ahead and get started with our first question. Edon, when you view the cybersecurity landscape over the last five years, you can't overlook the impact of insider threats. We've seen these devastating effects of insiders and almost daily breaches that, as I mentioned, Home Depot, Target, Anthem, the OPM, just to name a few. Don, what exactly is happening here in in your view? What what is the common thread? Yeah, Bill, well, uh, I agree. Uh, And uh, I don't think uh, the the fact that there are breaches is new. What is new is maybe two things. One is the awareness and the fact that everybody is speaking and talking about these kind of attacks. Uh, it became a known thing. It became critical to the enterprise, not only to the CISO, not only to the CIO, and not only to the CEO, but, for the, but to the board of directors of uh, enterprises all over uh, the, the world. And I think this is one thing, but the common thing that we see to all the latest and famous attacks and breaches out there uh, was the fact that the perimeter is not longer relevant. And why is that? Because uh, if you analyze uh, deep, uh, deeply all the, uh, the, the, the latest uh, breaches, you understand that the attack itself came from within. The attack itself came from the, let's say, the most valuable entity, the most, uh, 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 the entity with the most permissions, and this is, of course, the user, the employee. And the common thing that we see, that the majority of attacks, all the famous ones, and also the ones that nobody's talking about them yet, is the fact that the user have become uh, 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 the most important uh, vehicle for the attack. Yeah, this is Byron. I couldn't agree more with Idan. Um, I think the first thing you said is uh, awareness level is now rising into the 
level of decision makers at organization. Yes, that is happening. It, it can't help but happen with all the headlines that are out there, all the disclosures. And uh, the perimeter is not relevant. Um, I would agree, maybe disagree a little bit. I'd say the perimeter, protecting the perimeter is still probably necessary, but that's not going to stop the bad guys from getting in. And I think, you know, from a foundational level, what we're seeing is that uh, companies are dealing with uh, some security and privacy issues that nobody could have imagined just uh, 10 years ago. Uh, and this is all uh, obviously due to uh, the way we're conducting uh, commerce, uh, you know, using the Internet cloud, which was uh, you never thought of as being, you know, this free, uh, powerful global distribution service that also is anonymous. So uh, it's worked out, you know, for the good in terms of democratizing free speech and enabling all kinds of new business models, but the bad guys have learned to leverage all the open windows and doors that are also a byproduct. Yeah, thanks. And, and you mentioned the, uh, uh, the demise of the perimeter and and uh, everybody's uh, able to penetrate, become an insider. So, Byron, how, how is an insider threat defined today, and why have organizations struggled in detecting and containing these insider threats? Well, you know, the insider threat, I, I think you can trace it to a real simple notion. It's, it's when we started to network our computers and then, you know, tie them into the Internet, uh, you know, right around the new millennium, nobody really thought about this notion of privileged user accounts, the idea of Windows admin setting, right, and a simple password. So it's just basically just gotten out of hand. Um, there's a number of surveys out there that show most organizations really have no idea, you know, how many privileged accounts they have, much less who has them and what level of access that gives them. And a lot of times it's pretty deep access. So once you get inside the perimeter, which we've established is not that hard to do, even if you're doing, you know, antivirus and firewalls and intrusion detection, you can still get inside through social engineering very easily. Um, then it's just a matter of identifying one of these privileged accounts and getting access to it, which, again, is uh, many of these attacks, as Don pointed out, are, you know, you can trace them back to doing just that, getting to the correct account and getting elevated privileges and moving around the network. And, and Don, why, why do you think it's so difficult for organizations to uh, contain these types of uh, use of stolen user IDs, credentials, and these insider threats. Why, why is that so difficult to, uh, to address? Uh, well, Bill, it's uh, uh, definitely uh, difficult because it's a hard thing to do. Uh, you know, the fact that uh, uh, user, let's call him Joe, uh, and he's a guy from the procurement department, and he just got access to a server, and let's say he did not have uh, access or did not try to access this server in the past. Is it good or bad? It's really hard to define. It's really hard to make a conclusion. And why? Because if you think the user is legitimate and his activity is usually legitimate, maybe it's risky, maybe, maybe it's suspicious, but it's not necessarily malicious. And uh, in the past, everybody uh, looked for known policies or known heuristics, what is good 
on what is bad action for the user. But, you know, the world and the enterprise and the network have become very complicated. So it's not that easy thing to do. And if you are trying to do uh, these analytics on user activities with the old world uh, uh, technologies and methods, it wouldn't work. It will create tons of false positives and it won't be efficient. And this is why organizations, they try to do it in the past and they still do. But you have to do it with, you know, more, uh, let's say, modern uh, tools and, and techniques. Um, and you cannot do that uh, with existing tools like SIM, for example. Um, uh, you need different approach. And, and, and from our experience, approach will be always looking on the behavior of the entity, of the user, and learning from that aspect. Well, thank, now, you mentioned behavior analytics and how this is a new uh, relatively new science and, and technology, and it's, but it's been garnering a lot of attention lately. So, Idan, can you describe a little bit more how user behavior analytics, how does it work and, and how does it help? Yeah, I mean, uh, we all know uh, the concept of behavioral analytics. Let's take a different world, the, the, the credit card companies, and how they try to uh, discover, to detect fraud. So they learn from the behavior of us, the end users, what is good and what is bad, only from what we usually do. And if we just had the transaction from uh, a Europe, and actually we live in California, that's weird. And if you think we took the same concept, but to completely different world, uh, the use cases that we are handling are, are different. But the principles, if you'd like, are the same. And so user behavioral analytics, is all about profiling. Uh, if you want to run user behavior analytics, you want to profile the employees, the, the user's behavior. And we are actually focusing on one aspect of profiling, and it's mainly access of users. Where and when and, 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 and from where and how do they get access to their computer or to a specific server, to a specific application. But the most important part is the profile. And if you know, if you have historical data of the user, you could see uh, a quite obvious pattern. What is his normal behavior looks like? And now you could uh, compare the user to his history. Hey, this uh, uh, user called Joe never got access to this server, so that's weird. But also, and I think, and that's the cool part, you could compare the user to his peers. So if you are administrator, uh, you should act like other administrators. And uh, this is where, you know, if you think about Snowden, uh, the famous insider threat in the NSA, that was exactly uh, the challenge. He was an administrator. And if uh, they would compare him to other administrators in the organization, they could find that he's doing something suspicious because other administrators did not behave like he did. So peer analysis is another main component of user behavior analytics. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I, I, and I think that in the last couple of years, companies like Fortscale uh, have been in the vanguard of uh, really advancing this technology, which is at the bottom line is basically uh, data mining and, and, you know, connecting the dots and doing correlations. That was kind of the promise of SIM back 10 years ago or so, you know, they said, oh, just give us all your logs and we'll figure them out. Well, it turns out due to complexity, that's not easy to do. 
plus, you know, we're in the last few years, we're learning more about the patterns that the bad guys use. So uh, I agree with Adon that, uh, you know, you could, using sort of Snowden as a benchmark, what did he do? He basically, he was given a certain level of access and he abused it. Um, and so, you know, perhaps we Behavior an, uh, analysis could have been applied there to see that he was doing something that was kind of, you know, beyond his pay scale or whatever. He also, you know, used his inside access to social engineer his colleagues. So he got even deeper access by doing a little trickery with those that had uh, higher privileged uh, access than he did. And, you know, what was the end result? Got about 100,000 pages worth of sensitive documents out and slowly leaking that out to the world and really... Uh, you know, bringing attention to this issue. You know, it seems like the uh, the magnitude of the problems are are getting worse and worse. Certainly, the number of breaches uh, are 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 scary. I think you know, it's Cybersecurity Awareness Month in October, and just the first two days of the Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we see announcements, uh, you know, from Experian and and uh, and others, and so it's it's. Uh, Definitely something that we really need to to uh, to up our game on. So one final question for both of you. Um, let me start with you, Byron. Of of all the things an enterprise might do, you know, is there any what I would call low hanging fruit out there, so to speak, that can significantly help? What what things can an organization do to get the best bang for their you know their limited dollars? That's a great question. I think it's a question that, as at the top here, Don mentioned that the awareness is elevating into the decision-maker level. I think that's the precise question people are asking, and the answer is absolutely yes. There's tons of low-hanging fruit to deal with. Um, you know, it's really simple stuff when you think about it. It's like understanding your assets, understanding what data you have, and then, you know, just understanding what you have in terms of privileged user accounts, who has access, why do they have it, going through that whole exercise. Um, you know, doing your due diligence on uh, additional security that can add uh, a couple more layers to what you're doing, uh, in addition to the basic stuff you've been doing on the perimeter. Uh, but, you know, it's really doesn't end there. It's not just about getting the right technology. It's also about, uh, you know, just um, policies and getting the right people in place and applying policies and, you know, starting from the top down so that the CEO and, you know, even the board of directors, you know, create a culture that they, you want to have security as part of the business model. Thank you, Byron. And Edon, can you respond to the same question? Where, where do organizations go next in their yes. fight against cybercrime? Yeah, well, uh, I totally agree with Byron, and, and he mentioned the awareness. And, you know, I think the, the best low-hanging fruit, even before technologies, is not only awareness of the management. Actually, it's awareness of the users themselves. Uh, it's the awareness of the employees. Because if you think about phishing attacks, when, which we all know, I mean, one of the results, one of the outcome, of course, is compromise user. This is one of the best methods to do that. And if um, uh, enterprises and security teams will uh, train uh, their employees to understand what is the uh, risk of uh, opening emails that you're not, you don't know where they're coming from, for example, you could actually uh, do something and to prevent uh, some of the uh, basic attacks. But uh, and I, I agree with Byron. Eventually, 
הטכנולוגי got very, uh, let's say, uh, easy to deploy. Uh, uh, these days, technologies like UBA are not that complica- complicated to deploy. Uh, they are not intrusive. Uh, they don't require agents uh, deployment in the endpoint. They do not require tapping of the network. It's just analytics uh, of the existing log repositories. So deployment is relatively easy, not complicated, and actually not that expensive. And this is why uh, we believe it became relatively low-hanging fruits uh, for enterprises. Thank you both. And on that note, uh, we've reached the end of our podcast for today. I would like to thank both Edon and Byron for their insights on insider threats. And thanks to all of you for listening today. And don't forget, as part of Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we have two more podcasts coming up in October. For a complete description of our topics and airing dates, please visit the Fortscale Insider blog at fortscale.com blog. I'm Bill Bozen. Thank you. And goodbye.